The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello. You have um, you are listening to on ACB Media 5 or in Clubhouse or in Zoom, three places, to the Jewish Era Today. I am your co-host, Lynn Corral, and my co-host is... Tim Downey from Linwood, Washington. Welcome, everybody. And we also have uh, Naomi Sewell. Hello, Naomi. She's still muted. And Rabbi Randy Fleischer. So I'm going to allow Naomi to introduce the rabbi, and we'll get started in a moment. As soon as uh, Naomi unmutes herself. (laughs) I also want to thank Deb Cook-Lewis for being our streamer, and Chanel Allen for being our moderator in Clubhouse and connecting us, and also Cindy LeVon for being our host today. Naomi, can you unmute? I don't know what's happening. Okay, you're unmuted. Okay. Okay, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, great. Well, I wanted to welcome Rabbi Randy. I just call him Randy. (laughs) I've known Randy now for years and years and years, and he is a fellow music enthusiast. That's kind of what we we bonded on, but I just love Randy. And I asked him to talk to us about the High Holy Days. And Randy, I want to thank you because I know today is your day off, and I really appreciate your being here. So, I will now turn it over to Randy Fleischer, uh, Assistant Central Reform Congregation in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you. Hey, can everybody hear me? Hey. Hey, Naomi and company. (laughs) It's true. I've known Naomi for a very long time and her family, and uh, it's it's a privilege and a blessing to be one of her rabbis, Um, and um, I am was really um, honored to be asked to spend some time with everybody on this uh, on this gathering, and I'm hoping that uh, it's interactive. I have uh, I'll have I'll, I'll kind of open it up with some some words of introduction, and then I'm hoping that the panel the panelists and and the attendees have questions. We could have a conversation, but this is obviously a very significant time of the year in the Jewish world, all over the world. You know, Judaism is you know, multinational and multiracial and multicultural. Um, uh, there are Jews in, you know, every corner of the earth. And and in, in some ways, you know, we're different from one another. The Jew, Jews in Ethiopia are different than Jews in St. Louis and Jews in Alberta and Jews in Japan, etc. Um, but there's also a thread of connection. And, and one of those threads of connection is our, our holy day cycle, our holidays, um, that you know are are practiced throughout the entire Jewish world, regardless of of where those Jews live and what other sort of um, aspects of other cultures they absorb. Um, the holidays is definitely something that connects us all, and so um, this is kind of the beginning of that holiday cycle. We begin our year, and I'll kind of I'm going to backtrack a little bit, but we begin our year uh, in the fall. Um, although, uh, there's also a tradition that the year, the Jewish year begins in the spring. And I'll explain that, um, because I think it's kind of, 
relevant. Um, in the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, the Jewish Bible, um, there is no mention of Rosh Hashanah um, or um, or this time of year being a new year, actually. There is a holiday that happens at the same date as Rosh Hashanah now, now happens, um, but it's uh, called Yom HaTruah, a day of blowing trumpets, right, and gathering. Um, now, Rosh Hashanah, as we know, it is still thousands and thousands of years old, but it isn't as old as, say, Passover, um, which has its roots in the Torah. In the Torah, in, in fact, the new year um, begins in the spring, the month of Passover. Um, and in fact, um, the month of Nisan, the Hebrew month, is um, is the first month of the Hebrew calendar year. I know it's confusing for some folks who think of Rosh Hashanah in the fall as the new year, um, but the first month of the Jewish year is actually in the spring. Um, now, um, what happens in the fall, and this sort of sort of originated under when the Jewish people were um, exiled to Bab Babylon, Babylonia, um, way back, uh, you know, before the common era. Um, they uh, all, almost all Jews lived in, in exile in Babylon for, for, you know, dozens of years before they were allowed back to Judea. And while they were there, like Jews do now in all the different countries and cultures that they live with, they absorbed part of the Babylonian sort of uh, way of life. And in Babylon, uh, Babylonia, the ancient kingdom, um, their new year was in the fall. And so what happened was the Jews decided to have two new years. The first month of the year was going to obviously stay in the spring, but they decided the fall would be the time for turning the year over from one year to the next. So, you know, in, in our uh, American New Year, uh, on the Western calendar, um, New Year's Day, January 1st, January is the first month, and it's the time that the year changes. But on the Hebrew calendar, um, the first month is in the spring, and it's not... Sorry. What? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Do you guys need, did you guys need to interrupt me? No? No. Okay, um, so in the fall is when the Jewish year turns, um, even though it's the seventh month of the year, the month of Tishrei, that contains the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Simchat Torah. So this year, um, you know, Rosh Hashanah was um, corresponded to um, Sunday night, uh, which was September 25th, I believe. Um, every year, it's a little different on the American calendar because the Hebrew calendar, the Jewish calendar, goes by the moon cycles, and um, our American calendar does not. So Rosh Hashanah can fall pretty much anywhere in September and sometimes even early October. Um, but this year, September 25th, and then, of course, the next day, September 26th. On this Rosh Hashanah, the new year, the year turned from 5782, that's 5,782, to 5783, 5,783. So happy new year to those who celebrate at Rosh Hashanah. We, we are now in 5783, though it's the seventh month of the year. So that means basically that Jews have been counting years 
for 5,783 years. Um, that's a long time when you consider, of course, that the Western calendar, which, you know, is set in, in, in um, to sort of the Christian notion of when Jesus was born. So um, those years are obviously 2022. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the Hebrew calendar goes back a lot further in time than our Western or American calendar. And as I said, just Sunday night, because uh, in a lunar calendar, the days begin at sunset the night before. So our days go from sunset to sunset, which is important for later in the conversation, as many people know. Um, the Jewish day begins sunset and then till the next sunset. Um, so Sunday night into Monday was Rosh Hashanah, and the year became 5783 and will be, of course, all year until next um, Rosh Hashanah. So um, that's sort of the, an introduction to um, the concept of having a new year. So what I want to do, unless I'm, maybe I should pause and see if there's anybody that wants to ask or comment on anything I've said so far. Is that a good way to do it? Sure. All right. So is there any is there anyone that would like to either the panelists or, or attendees want to ask the panelists just so I know that everyone's kind of caught up with me? Um no. Well okay. hold on. Let me double okay. check. Yep. Yes, now of course. Now uh area code um Okay, area code 608, ending in 219, you may, I will, there, gave you, yeah, now you can unmute. Hi there. Identify yourself, please. Hi, um, I'm, so 5783, um, that year one commemorates what? The yes, so that's, that's a really good question, is that, that so, you know, again, you know, in in Judaism and in you know other traditions, there's always more than one answer to the question. So I should preface all this by saying I'm a Reform rabbi um, from one of the more liberal branches of Judaism. There is also more traditional branches of Judaism. So I'll I'll give both answers. I would say that the traditional answer, if you asked most Orthodox Jews, they would give you the more traditional answer. And they would tell you the tradition says that that marks the beginning of creation when the world was created, that Rosh Hashanah is actually the birthday of the world and that 5,783 years ago, the world began. Um, I, as a liberal rabbi and someone who kind of accepts science and, and, and believes that, you know, we keep learning, um, uh, um, as as we discover more, um, I clearly don't believe that the world is only 5,783 years old. Um, I think our evolutionary scientists have, have proven that it's infinitely older than that. Um, now, some Orthodox Jews that are scientifically oriented might say, well, a year in ancient days was different than a year now. But I, 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 you know, you'd have to ask an Orthodox rabbi to kind of explain that. I don't want to denigrate it or promote it just to explain it. Um, the way I think about it is that, that Jews have been counting years for 5,783 years that, you know, at some point in our, you know, Judaism is a very ancient tradition. Uh, um, you know, obviously thousands of years old. Um, and, and that, you know, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, um, uh, tells us how many years we've been counting. 
uh, years. So that that would be the way I would answer that question. In any event, it is a new year because uh, it is a, a, a literally a, a new year. The word Rosh Hashanah, the term Rosh Hashanah actually is very interesting etymologically. In Hebrew, the word Shana means year, which makes sense. But Rosh does not mean new. The word Rosh means head. So literally, it's obviously an idiom, but literally Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year, which is the start of the year. The word for um, for new in uh, Hebrew is Chadash. And um, we do that use that term in the high holidays, but when we um, the name of the holiday itself is literally translated as the head of the year. So that's my answer. Is that satisfactory to you? Yes, thank you. Great. All right. Any others before I move forward? Okay. Chanel, you want to check Clubhouse? That's all on this side. None in Clubhouse as of yet. Okay. Great. All right. I'll stop at another point and ask you. I, I think I kind of like it that way. So that way Fantastic. I know that everybody. Great. Okay. So what I wanted to then focus on is um, kind of, uh, we started kind of very meta. I'm going to go a little bit more, um, uh, still kind of large view, but, but a little bit more narrowed down. I want to talk about this month, this Jewish month that we're in right now, because I think it, 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 it explains a lot about what's happening in the Jewish world right now. And I'm sure some of you are very immersed in it and involved in it. Others might be a little bit um, more removed from it, but I'll make sure we're all on the same page by talking about this very, very hectic and packed with holy days month, which is called Tishrei. So uh, every Hebrew month has its own name. Obviously, our I think our names for our months, January, February, mostly uh, you know have Roman roots. Um, and actually, the Jewish names of the month have mostly Babylonian roots, which kind of makes sense because I talked about the history of Jews and from Judea being in exile in Babylon, Babylonia. But we have months, and this is the month of Tishrei. It's the seventh month, um, not the first month, as I've said. Um, seven, though, is a very important number in Jewish spirituality. Um, so it, it's definitely, you know, makes sense that these holidays all come in the seventh month. Seven is the number in Jewish mysticism and spirituality that stands for wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S, and holiness. Um, seven, of course, the, the number of days of the week. So there's something very kind of satisfactory about completing a week. And also, of course, in the Jewish tradition, the seventh day is the Sabbath, the Shabbat, which is the you know supposed supposed to be the holiest day of the week for Jewish people, and of course, uh, others have adopted Sabbath. Uh, Christians and Muslims um, have adopted Sabbath. They mark it as a, a little bit of a different day of the week, but it's still supposed to be a day that's really intentionally filled with holiness. So the number seven has taken on a great significance in, in, in Jewish thought, which is why it's very fitting that the seventh month is the month of all these holy days. So this month actually began at the same moment that the new year began. Um, the new year, the Rosh Hashanah, comes on the first day of the new Hebrew month of Tishrei. 
Um, there's actually a holiday that doesn't isn't widely observed in the Jewish world, but some people observe it. It's an actual holiday. It's not one of the holidays that comes once a year, like Rosh Hashanah, and it's not a weekly holiday like Shabbat. It's a monthly holiday, and it's called Rosh Chodesh. And of course, the word Rosh, as I've talked about before, means head, and uh, Chodesh is the word for month. And so um, every month, some Jews celebrate Rosh Chodesh for the new moon, because of course, in a lunar calendar, every month is a moon cycle. I like to call, think of it as a month, M-O-O-N-T-H. Uh, every month is a moon cycle, and, and the month begins when the moon is like a, looks like a sliver in the sky. And when the moon is whole, it um, looks like a full moon. That's the middle of the month. And then the moon starts to wane, and you get towards the end of the month. So this month started on Sunday night, September 25th, the first of Tishrei. And it's not only the new month, but it's also Rosh Hashanah, the new year. So that happens on the first of Tishrei. And, uh, you know, I can go on for a whole, uh, you know, forever about just each of these (laughs) holidays. But sort of briefly, Rosh Hashanah is celebrated by... um, um, people, many Jews come to synagogue, even Jewish people and and people who are connected to Jewish people. You don't have to be Jewish to come to synagogue. But um, even people that don't come regularly to synagogue, you know, it's one of those, um, you know, one of those moments where people tend to show up in larger numbers than they do um, other times of the year. It just sort of has become a big deal. We call the, this one of the high holidays, H-I-G-H. Um, and I think it's for a lot of people, a time of renewal and new beginnings and new commitments and sort of a, a new start because it's a new year, right? So um, people come to synagogue and there's a whole service that is special, has special songs and prayers and blessings for the new year. But the central thing that people do on Rosh Hashanah is listen. And that's very important. The word listen um, to the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn, or sometimes it's an antelope horn, very ancient sort of instrument that has a very, um, what do you want to call it? Um, Aboriginal primordial kind of sound. It doesn't sound like anything else, you know, any kind of you know, as Naomi said, I love music and, um, you know, I like, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. So I love the saxophone, <laughs> but, but, and all those instruments, but the, 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 the shofar has a unique sound. Um, and, uh, it's, it's sort of a, it's supposed to be an alarm clock to wake people up and stir our conscience and call us to the new year with, uh, with new commitments and maybe um, improved behavior to maybe be our best selves. And that's probably the best known ritual of Rosh Hashanah is um, listening. And I want to say there is someone who obviously blows the shofar, but the commandment on Rosh Hashanah is to hear it, to listen to the sound of the shofar. So if, uh, if you're Jewish and you ha- haven't yet had a chance to hear the shofar, I'll bet you could find a, a shofar sound online on YouTube. There's lots of opportunities to do that, but it's a it's a big mitzvah um, to hear the shofar at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, there's uh, people who like to um, celebrate with uh, apples and honey because you know apple is sort of a symbol of the fall. There's, you know, all the Jewish holidays are very viscerally connected to the seasons. Um, uh, and I, as an aside in Judaism, 
while we have a lunar calendar, we also have a leap year every seven years to keep the months aligned to the holidays and the seasons. The Muslim calendar, again, tangentially, is also a lunar calendar, but they don't have a leap year in Islam and just by their own tradition. But what the result of that is, you know, the best known Muslim holiday is Ramadan, right? And Ramadan can happen any time of the year, any season, any month, any month on the American calendar because of the lunar calendar kind of slides it around. In the Jewish calendar, we add a month to every year, to every Hebrew year, to make sure that um, our holidays are aligned with their season because Rosh Hashanah is so connected to the fall and Passover has to be so connected to the spring. Um, the harvest is a big deal, as you'll see in a second. Um, so apples for the fall uh, and honey, that signifies a sweet new year. So that's Rosh Hashanah. And I'm going to talk about the next holiday because there are four major holidays in one month. And actually, there's probably five or six if you count ones that are sort of maybe minor holidays. But that's in the Jewish calendar that has about 13 or 14 holidays throughout the year. There are there this month of Tishrei has the most holy days or most holidays of any other Jewish month. So 10 days after Rosh Hashanah is another holy day that is called Yom Kippur. Now, the days in between are also known as sort of a specific time period. They're called the days of awe, A-W-E, because you've started the new year with Rosh Hashanah, and then you're supposed to engage throughout the next 10 days in some introspection and reflection and really thinking about what ways can you be a better human being in the new year? Where do you have to improve your behavior? How do you have to improve the way you engage with people, speak with people, act more ethically, morally? Um, and, um, you know, who do you need to forgive? And, you know, what do you need to let go of? Because on Yom Kippur is a grand day of atonement. Uh, if you spell out atonement, and break it up, it, it, it actually can spell at one mint because you're supposed to become whole again on Yom Kippur. Just the beginning of the year, Yom Kippur is a time that we really name our, our transgressions, our misdeeds, and we figure out ways that we're going to improve and make amends. Um, so we have these 10 days of awe, and then we have Yom Kippur, 10 days into the new month, 10 days into the new year and Yom Kippur, it's hard to call it a holiday because it's not so festive, although it can be quite liberating and meaningful and sort of cleansing, but it's not like a, you know, apples and honey kind of holiday. It's a day of naming your transgressions, saying them out loud. What have you done wrong in the past year? How do you want to do better in the next year? And one of the, the rituals of Yom Kippur is to fast, to actually abstain from eating. Again, remember, Yom Kippur starts in the nighttime at sunset, and it goes till the next sunset. So many Jews, not all, but it is, you know, for, for, for traditional Jews, they, they, they consider themselves bound by Jewish law. So they are obligated to fast by their own, their own reckoning. Other Jews can decide if it's meaningful for them. I do fast on Yom Kippur. And that fast starts on the evening 
the first night of Yom Kippur when the sun sets and it goes until the next sunset. So there's a 24 hour fast and it's supposed to be, you know, officially a fast of both drinking and eating. So no water, no food. And that the idea of that is to, is that you're not supposed to be focusing on anything material, you know, food, and you're not supposed to go to work if you can help it. Um, you're not supposed to be diverted by your hobbies or, you know, all the things that we, that, you know, occupies our lives. Normally you're supposed to really focus inward within on your spirituality and your behavior and your, um, they call it an accounting of the soul to really be honest with yourself. It's a pretty rough day in some ways, although the end of it is very cathartic and kind of liberating and re and renewing, but it's a lot. If you really take Yom Kippur seriously, it's really supposed to be a full day of prayer and, and naming your sins and fasting and uh, afflicting yourself um, so that you can inspire yourself to be better. Um, so this year, Yom Kippur starts tomorrow night. Wow, I, I better get working. I've got work to do. To get ready as a rabbi for Yom Kippur. But um, it's tomorrow night at sunset is the is the holy day of Yom Kippur. And um, people will come to synagogue on Tuesday night all over the world. And there's a, tra there's a traditional Yom Kippur melody that's become very sort of identified with Yom Kippur. And that is the Kol Nidre. And at our synagogue, we have a wonderful violinist um, who grew up at our synagogue, who now goes to Juilliard, and she'll be playing <laughs> the Kol Nidre melody on uh, Tuesday night. And then some people, many people come all the way back to synagogue on Wednesday for another full day of, again, praying and reflection and, and even learning and discussions. And it's all about, you know, kind of having this bubble of a day where you're ensconced in spirituality and anything else, you know, doesn't count for that day. You know, you go back to your stuff the next day, but this is supposed to be a day like of spirit. Um, and it ends at sunset this year on Wednesday, uh, the 10th of Tishrei. And of course, what you want to do after you're done with Yom Kippur is take a deep breath and uh, <laughs> kind of smile that it's over. And hopefully you feel like you're ready for the new year, really ready. And then uh, people break their fast if they fasted with uh you know meal with friends and family and kind of getting starting to get back to normal after a very unusual you know sort of uh 24 hour period so there are there's more to come in tishrei actually those are just the first two they're called the high holidays so they're 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 very prominent but there's other there's two other major holidays that I want to talk about for this month but now that we've gone through rosh hashanah and yom kippur how about if there's anybody that has any questions or comments or issues with those one. two, those two holy days? Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chanel. Yeah, we have one in Clubhouse, and that is Great. Jeanette. Hey, Jeanette. Hey, Jeanette. Hello. So I have two questions for you. Um, when I go to address my Jewish friends after Rosh Hashanah, here we say Happy New Year. What do we say to them? And I guess the same goes for Yom Kippur. Very interesting. Are you asking me 
what people should say to you or what you should say to other people? What I should say to my Jewish friends. Oh, your Jewish friends. Oh, sure. So you could certainly say Happy New Year. That's appropriate. We're all, you know, people that speak English. We're all, we're, American Jews are, are also American, not just Jewish. So Happy New Year is certainly, you know, sufficient. Now the Hebrew term, which that would, you know, be very, you know, you, you would impress some of your Jewish friends is Shana Tova. So it's Shana means year and tova means good so you're wishing them a good year shana tova so that would be really impressive but happy new year certainly would work but shana tova is the standard um new rosh hashanah greeting and you could actually say that kind of like you know how you could say happy new years to people like into january well you could say shana tova happy new year to jews you know like into you know uh, you know, the first couple of weeks of uh, the new year, kind of similar. It's still, you're still, it's still the start of a, of a year. Um, in terms of Yom Kippur, which is a great question. Um, there's a few things you can say to people. Um, the, you, you, the, the, the Yiddish, a lot of people use the Yiddish uh, greeting, which is good yontif. Good Yontif. That's kind of a, a, a very traditional standard Yom Kippur greeting. Yontif is the Yiddish word for holiday. And for some reason, you know, even, even people that don't speak a lot of Yiddish, that's one that kind of has crept into American Jewish, especially in probably other countries too, you know, vocabulary. Good Yontif. You could also wish people an easy fast. You know, you don't want to presume they're fasting, but if you know they're going to fast, you could say, oh, I hope you have an easy fast or a meaningful fast. Um, if you really want to get fancy, you can say something like gamar tov, gamar tov, which means um, uh, there's a saying at the high holidays that, peop- that, w- that we hope that we're, that we're written and sealed in the book of life, this sort of mythology that there's a book of life. And uh, we want to, of course, be alive for this whole year. So there's kind of a way you say gamar tov, that you should be sealed, you know, parenthetically in the book of life. So um, there's, there's, you know, the Hebrew way of saying good yontif. This is also kind of fancy, but it, some, you know, in Israel, you'll, you won't hear good yontif except in Orthodox communities. The Hebrew way of saying happy holiday is chag sameach, happy holiday. That goes probably more for Rosh Hashanah than Yom Kippur, since Yom Kippur isn't technically supposed to be a happy holiday although we could probably have a conversation about that as well but Chag Sameach, Good Yontif, Shana Tova, um, Easy or Meaningful Fast and Gamar Tov. Those are a good list of greetings that you can tell people um, and it's a great question I don't know if the person who asked is Jewish or not no, but I, I want to say that not. okay well so, so I, I want to so I really respect you for Jewish friends. yeah so I want to say I really respect you for asking that question because I think, you know, we live in a pluralistic society, um, and that's I think that's really lovely. There's lots of people with lots of different traditions and religions and ways of life, and and I think our responsibility in a pluralistic society is to is to acknowledge what? each other's differences. So you know, I don't mind saying Merry Christmas to my Christian <laughs> friends. Right. Like I I I think that's beautiful. Um, uh, now, if they say it back to me and they know I'm Jewish, you know, maybe maybe there's some education that needs to go on because I don't celebrate Christmas. But I certainly have many friends who are Christian, and I want to tell them Merry Christmas. 
on Christmas, you know? So the fact that you care enough to ask, what should I say to my Jewish friends um, tells me that you're a really um, deep soul and a really good friend. Jeanette, did you have another question or is that, is that no, it? No, I'm, I'm good. I thank okay. you for answering. Thank you so much. Okay, Randy, we have one here sure. on the Zoom side. Okay, on the webinar side. Okay, you are area code 623 ending 089. You want to say hello? Joni. Okay, Hi, Joni. You are. Okay, you may unmute. Hi, Joni. Hi, Joni. She has, she Jody. has to unmute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm trying to get her to unmute. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it's not clear. You have, Rabbi, done a wonderful job of painting the difference because I've always just, you know, going to the services on both of those holidays, you feel the lightness of Rosh Hashanah, but then, you know, Yom Kippur is kind of, you know, heavy and dark. You did a nice job of kind of explaining the why that is. So Great. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, yes. Hi, hi, Joni. Hi, Joni. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Naomi. Hi, everybody in here. Um, I am Jewish and very proud of it. And but I live in a place where I can't get to a synagogue. Mm. And um, I would love to be able to hear Kol Nidre tomorrow night. Does anyone know? Sure. Where I can access it on either Alexa or uh, well, or where so, I could hear. Yeah, thanks, Jody, and Shana Tova to you. Happy New Year. Shana Tova to you too. Where do you live, Jody? Thank you. I live in Arizona. Joni. Joni, I'm sorry, Joni. It's okay. Arizona, I love Arizona. I'm a big fan of Arizona. I love the. Have you have you ever been? I. One of my favorite places was Havasupai Falls. I love that. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, if you can't get to a synagogue, you know, these days, especially since COVID, um, most synagogues, because, you know, for example, our synagogue was closed for a year and a half during, you know, the, the height of the pandemic. Um, we stayed closed very long and we did all our services streamed, right? And um, we were streaming before COVID, but we really kind of learned how to do it better during the the time we were closed. And even now that we're open again, we stream, we've got more cameras. We've got a person who's dedicated to kind of uh, monitoring the streaming to make sure it's, you know, looks good and sounds good. So I would say that most, um, uh, most synagogues stream their services. So you can certainly hear services um, so, you know, you're more than welcome. We'd love to have you join ours, um, our synagogue oh, and Naomi's synagogue, synagogue and, 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 and the synagogue where I'm a rabbi is called Central Reform Congregation, CRC, Central Reform Congregation. And we have a, um, you know, you, we have a Facebook page and, and generally you can um, uh, tune in to our, I mean, you can tune into our services through our Facebook page or our website. What what is your website? It's I, um it's centralreform.org. And centralreform.org. Um, and 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 yep, centralreform.org and our our Colnidre service starts at 8 p.m. uh central time tomorrow night. So I guess that would be um 
that would be six o'clock. Six o'clock, uh, your right, mountain right. mountain time. Um, but so, and I, 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 you know, certainly there are other congregations that do the same thing. And, and also, without, I mean, you, I would imagine it would be pretty accessible to hear Col Nadre apart from a service these days. Like you said, if you want to tell, I, I don't even, I don't have all those things where you tell like Alexa. I don't. Um, I mean, I, um, but I know that you can do that. Um, like you can find the Col Nadre melody either sung or played by an instrument. I'm sure with any kind of music, uh, any any um, streaming service that plays music. So you you don't have to attend the whole service, although of course you can. But I, I would imagine you'd be able to tune into, you know, uh, a stream of the Col Nadre melody. I was going to say that just because you brought it up. At our synagogue, I said that we have this violinist named Chava who um, grew up with us, who plays it on violin. But then we have a vocalist. Uh, Naomi knows him. His name is Alan Freed. He, he's not a cantor or a rabbi. He's actually an attorney, but he's got a beautiful voice. And he'll then, after Chava's finished playing on violin, he actually sings the words of the Kol Nidre in a very kind of, I don't know, classical kind of operatic style. Um, does that answer your question, Joni? Just repeat the the website again, sure. please, Rabbi. Cent sure. Central Reform, C-E-N-T-R-A-L, and then R-E-F-O-R-M, all one word, dot O-R-G, centralreform.org. And there, you know, you should be able to be guided to the High Holidays stream. And again, it's 8 p.m. Um, Tuesday night, tomorrow night. And the Col Nidre, the Col Nidre melody comes quite at the beginning of the service. I would say yes. within the first fifteen um, minutes. If it's if it's any longer than that, I'm in trouble because I'll be out <laughs> because I've talked too long. <laughs> and, and, and will your services be streamed on Wednesday? Correct at 10 a.m. Yeah. Yep. Right. But yeah. Yep. For sure. 10 a.m. Your time. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 a.m. Central. Right. Eight okay, o'clock in thank Arizona. You so thank you so much, much, Joni. Thank you. Sure. Is there other are there any other thank hands you, in Clubhouse or in in the uh, or in Zoom? No, no. All right. Okay. So I'm going right. to move on because um, we we've covered, and I, I, I'm certainly willing to go back to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur after I've kind of described everything. If there's more questions and more conversation, but I'm going to move forward in this the same month. So remember, the first of Tishrei we had Rosh Hashanah, ten days of awe. And then the 10th day, we have Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And then five days after Yom Kippur, there's another very major Jewish holiday. Um, and it happens at the full moon, because remember, um, we've gone now 15 days into Tishrei. Um, so the 15th of every Hebrew month is supposedly the fullest the moon's going to look in the sky. It's right around the time where, you, you know, um, we calendar the full moon. So many Jewish holidays happen in the full moon just because, you know, in the ancient days, that's where you had the most light and you, you start your holidays at night, the night before. So we had a lot of full moon holidays and Sukkot happens at the full moon, the 15th of Tishrei. And there's something really special about Sukkot, especially when you contrast it, not contrast it, when you juxtapose it with Yom Kippur. So let me back up a little bit because I'm a big nature guy. Actually, I am sitting outside right now. 
I'm in my back deck in uh, University City, Missouri, because um, it's a gorgeous day here in St. Louis. Um, we're having a really beautiful fall, aren't we, Naomi? Yeah, we are. We're having a beautiful fall. So I'm sitting outside. I love being outside. And Sukkot is a real outdoor holiday, really outdoor. Yes. One of the most outdoor holidays I've ever. <laughs> Definitely. Of any, of any, yeah, yep. of any tradition. Yep. Any religion. So one of the things that's in interesting about this season is there's a lot of indoor uh -oh. slash. Oh, are we okay? You're fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there's a lot of indoor slash outdoor sort of rotation, I'll call it. So, um, you know, uh, at Rosh Hashanah, for example, we're, you know, in a synagogue. Uh, but then, which I, I kind of skipped over because it's there's a lot to talk about. There's a Rosh Hashanah tradition called Tashlich, where many Jews, after Rosh Hashanah services are over, will go to a body of water, a river or a lake or a pond, and you symbolically, it's kind of to start out the days of awe, you symbolically cast your sins into the water to kind of get rid of them. So you put like, you know, dust from the earth, or some people throw bread, if it's not dangerous to the wildlife, into the water. So the minute you've been inside, like, you know, for a whole bunch of hours at services, there's a tradition to go outside and go to a body of water and be in nature and start the process of casting off your sins. Well, then we have Yom Kippur, which is very inside, not just inside synagogue, but you're supposed to be kind of inside your own self, you know, internal. It's a very internal holiday. You're supposed to be looking at yourself and kind of being honest with yourself and, you know, trying to figure out how to be a better self. But the first thing you're supposed to do when you, Yom Kippur is over after you eat is start building what's called a sukkah for Sukkot. A sukkah is a temporary shelter that you build outside your dwelling place. So outside your apartment or your dorm or your house, wherever you live, you're supposed to build a temporary shelter. It's not supposed to be up all the time. It's supposed to only be up for the holiday of Sukkot which actually lasts for a full week. It's a seven-day holiday. And you build this sukkah out of boards. Or My wife actually grew up in Boston area, and they used to build their sukkah out of like interlocking doors, these old doors. They would interlock them with the hinges. But, you know, mostly that's like kind of wood and two-by-fours. There are sukkah kits that you can put together. And the sukkah is supposed to be outside, and it's supposed to be kind of open. You're supposed to have at least one door that's open to the outside. And you're supposed the roof of the sukkah is supposed to be made with natural materials. So leaves or branches. Um, the Hebrew word is schach, the stuff that covers your sukkah. But you're not supposed to completely cover it or seal it off. The, the rule is you're supposed to be able to look through the ceiling of your sukkah and be able to see the sky. To really know you're kind of outside in your little shelter. And um, Sukkot um, so brings you outside. It really does connect people to, to their neighbors, right? Because, you know, you can't like close yourself off in your house if you have a sukkah. And it connects you to nature, you know, even in the city. There you can, you know, you can see trees and grasses. Um, so that's what we do on Sukkot. And you're supposed to spend time in your sukkah. Some people sleep. Some People sleep in their sukkah. Some Orthodox Jews probably sleep in their sukkah every single night because you're supposed to really dwell in your sukkah. 
Many people eat meals in their sukkah. You're supposed to invite friends into the sukkah. So why do we do this? Well, there's there's a couple reasons. One is because um, Sukkot is one of three holidays during the year that are really connected to each other, and they're connected to the seasons and to the story of our people in the Torah. So, um, I'll, so Sukkot commemorates the story in the Torah of when the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt, right? That's the Passover story. And we escaped. And where'd we go? Well, we didn't find our home right away. We actually had to wander in the wilderness, the story tells us, for years, years and years and years. And so we lived, according to the story, in temporary shelters, those years of wandering. So one thing is the sukkah is supposed to sort of symbolize those, bring us back to those wandering years, right? That where we were outside and, you know, in nature and uh, on the move. Uh, hold on one second. There's a truck roaring by here. We can't hear it. <laughs> okay. And then um, the second reason is an agricultural reason. So back when these holidays became established, most Jews were farmers, right? Most people were farmers in ancient days, lived off the land and from the land. So um, the, 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 the Sukkot is actually the last of these three holidays. The first is Passover, which is the story of escaping Egypt, but it's also the planting seeds time, right? The next holiday is a, a summer holiday called Shavuot, which commemorates the receiving of the Torah in the in the Torah, receiving of the Torah, but also the time that your seeds have grown, what you planted grows, grows, grows. And in the summer, the first stuff that you planted grows. So the, the, the wheat is traditionally the first thing that grows that you've planted. So that's Shavuot. And now we come to Sukkot back in our Tishrei month where the whole harvest is ready to be gathered up. Every, all the food has grown and um, it's like Thanksgiving, right? The the gathering of the harvest, the celebration of our bounty and being grateful. So that what what we what we learn from history is the ancient farmers, the Jewish farmers, they it was too far every day to walk from their where they lived to the fields where they had to work, you know, harvest the the crops. So instead, they would build a temporary shelter. Um, closer to their fields. So for a week or whatever, they actually lived right by the harvest. Um, and so those two reasons are why we build these temporary shelters called sukkahs on Sukkot um, to commemorate the wandering time, but also to remember those t that time when we were all involved in agriculture and to remember that this is a harvest time. So Sukkot is supposed to be a very joyful holiday you're outdoors, you're supposed to be being grateful, like Thanksgiving kind of corresponds to that American holiday of Thanksgiving. There's a ritual of taking four species, basically um, an etrog fruit that's kind of like a lemon, uh, and then three branches um, from trees. And you're supposed to actually hold them in your hands and wave them in all the directions of the universe, kind of very indigenous people, Native American kind of reminiscent of those spiritualities, but this comes from the Torah. She's supposed to take those four species from the earth 
and shake them or wave them in all the directions, sort of acknowledging your connection to the universe. And you're out there. You are outside in your sukkah, and it's it's it, so it's an incredible outdoor holy day after a very interior inside holiday of uh, holy day of Yom Kippur. So that's Sukkot that lasts for a whole week. And remember, I said there were four major holidays in Tishrei. Well, I'm about to, I'm about to describe you to you the fourth one. So um, let's review. The very beginning of this month, this very packed special month, Tishrei, the seventh month of the Jewish year, starts with Rosh Hashanah, the new year. Ten days later, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Five days after that, the full moon, the 15th day of the month, is Sukkot, where we build our sukkahs and go outside. And then finally, at the very end of the month, after Sukkot's over, we have another very joyful holiday, so joyful that the word joy is in the title of this holiday that's called Simchat Torah. A little bit lesser known, certainly than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, probably even lesser known, even with some Jews, than Sukkot, but it is a major holiday. Simchat Torah is the is the exact date that we finish reading the whole Torah, all five books, and start over again. So... Um, in synagogue life, every week, every Shabbat, we read a portion of the Torah. It takes a year of those weeks, of those sub- Sabbaths, to read the whole Torah. And when we're done, we don't just put it in the library, right? The Torah is a scroll <laughs> that we keep in the synagogue. We start over again because we figure you're a year older. You've had another year of different experiences. Each person, you're going to understand it differently. You're going to learn different things from it. You're going to get different meaning from it. Like, you know, when you're seven, you understand different things differently than when you're 70 and everything in between. So every single year we finish, we, we finish reading the Torah and then we start all over again. But first we stop and have a holiday called Simchat Torah, which literally means the joy of Torah. And this is a day of just celebration. Uh, that we finished another year, we, we've lived another year. And of course, the finishing the Torah cycle is very much connected to this first month of the year. It all makes sense that we put this holiday at the beginning of the new year, beginning of the new cycle. You start with the book of Genesis. So at Simchat Torah services, there's a lot of dancing. You're supposed to make seven circles, big circles with the Torah. Um, some communities like ours unroll the entire scroll so you can see it <laughs> from beginning to end. Um, and uh, people eat taffy apples because it's even sweeter than apples and honey. Uh, and it's still the fall, of course. Um, and you reread the very end of the Torah and we read the very beginning. And then the next Sabbath is time to start all over again. So that's Simchat Torah. That's the end of this incredible month of Jewish holy days. So I'm going to stop again and see if there's any uh, comments or questions or anything about those two, um, Sukkot and Simchat Torah. Anybody have any uh, questions or comments about those two later in the month holidays? Any questions in Zoom or Clubhouse? Checking and... Don't we see any. do not have any. Okay, great. I so, would I would like to say oh. that from uh, uh, having a my my I have a teenager now, but as she as my daughter was growing up, um, Sukkot was just 
awesome, right? Because yeah. we put up a sukkah in our side yard and, um, you know, she'd have some of her Jewish friends over and other friends and they'd go play in there and we'd eat in there. And to a kid, that's a big adventure, right? It's like, <laughs> ooh, we've got this cool, you know, extra little place for just a short amount of time. Let's go play in it and, um, you know, celebrate in there. And, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. And then, then the same with Simcha Torah, right? Like, um seeing the whole Torah scroll unrolled um, is just an amazing thing. And all that, like you said, it's very joyful, lots of dancing, um, dancing with the Torah. Um, I, I, I just think, and isn't there a tradition too, that if you're dancing with a child, like in your arms, a small child, right? It's the same as the blessing of dancing with the Torah or something like that. Yeah. No, first of all, great descriptions. Really wonderful. What, what's your name? That's Tim. Uh, my name's Tim. Yeah. Hey, Tim. Great description. And yeah, sure. I mean, I love that. That's a beautiful sort of thing to say is that, you know, a child is just as holy or even holier than the Torah scroll. So if you're carrying a, a child, it's like you're carrying the Torah. That's, that's really a beautiful kind of um, teaching. Um, yeah. And you're right. You know, I actually, um, you brought back memories for me. My I have two children, but they're in their early 20s. So they're what do you call it? Grown and flown. Uh, and, uh, and, but, but I have really good memories of building the sukkah in my backyard. Actually, I'm actually facing the spot in my backyard where we used to build our sukkah. And my kids went to a school up the street. Um, I live in a very kind of diverse community called University City. It's right kind of outside of the city of St. Louis. And the, the their elementary school is you know right up the block we used to walk to school every day i very just kind of brings back wonderful memories and um my kids um would always um bring their respective classes to my house to go to the sukkah and i would serve like apple cider and you know hand out cookies and teach them about sukkah because most of the kids in my kids classes weren't jewish and you know many of them were you know different races different religions from different countries and Definitely. so it's really lovely Absolutely. yeah and then you know we also i think i also we used to also have when we build our sukkah we actually had like a kind of a neighborhood block party my neighborhood is also <laughs> kind of diverse and people would come over most of the people that came weren't jewish but I, they helped out build the sukkah and they would make um paper chains out of construction paper to decorate because I, I i didn't say people decorate their sukkah it's kind of like it's a weird thing to say but some people treat their sukkah like you know christians treat their christmas tree yes people put lights up and hang pictures and play music and you know it's just kind of like it, it becomes sort of this decorative thing um and but what's really cool about it is it's outside and you get to feel the breeze and feel the sunshine and and you know um even the nighttime has its own you know when you're outside at night like when you go camping it's a very special feeling being outside at night and so you know for people who are like suburban and city people you know we don't always we don't always think to some of us do but not everybody always thinks to be outside that much and so if you if you celebrate Sukkot it kind of forces you compels you to, to be outside more often and um, so that's, that's kind of a side benefit. Of, this is, th this is Lynn. Um, uh, I'm yep. sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean that's to interrupt right. you at all. I'm, done. Um, I'm the, one of the co-facilitators, but I wonder what does this have to do with the, the wandering of the Jewish people in ancient yeah. times? 
Yeah, no, I, because um, because when we were wandering in the in the story of the Torah, all those years we wandered, we we our our where we lived had to be temporary. Um, so the sukkah is a temporary shelter or dwelling place, just like when we when the story of moving around. You know, the, if you read the, the Torah. There's like this whole sort of movement, you know, and it's based on God and it's based on, you know, there's all kinds of reasons that the Jewish people would pick up and move, but they had, but we were never settled in one place until we reached the promised land, really a generation later. Um, and so what, like, again, um, the, the sukkah symbolizes that sort of impermanence you know and really it ultimately if you want to get spiritual about it it ultimately reminds us that all of our you know there's a lot of impermanence you know even our biggest mansions and our you know strongest castles or whatever you want to say you know not it, it, our it's impermanent like you know the only thing that's permanent is spirit and and holiness and love and and so there's this lesson there of you know you think you you you've built this sort of this structure that's going to last but the the sukkah reminds you that eh, not not so much, you know, um, and we have to learn how to survive through the impermanence. Um, so there's that, and then there's the thing I said about the farm later. The farmers needing to be closer to their um, to their crops, so they built a temporary structure. Um, I had something I wanted to I relate to that, and it sort of slipped out of my uh -oh, mind. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It was what from what you said. Um, oh, I, um, oh, I know. Um, this might date me as a reference, um, but I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a, uh, well, I'm, I'm 59, but I'm a big 60s and 70s guy when it comes Yay. to music and TV. But I'm like, right there uh, with you. There you so, so many me of you too. will recognize the, the TV show Mash, right? Yes. Oh Mash? yeah. Yes. Yep. So Mash was the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, and when I think <laughs> about um, that in that moving from place to place. And I always think about in MASH, if you remember, whenever they always had, they, they were mobile. They had to go where the, the wounded were right in the, in the Korean war. And so there was some, some of the episodes would actually show them collapsing their tents and their, the mess tent and the living quarters, all the, you know, and then they, they moved it to the next spot where they were needed. And that kind of is very much to me and kind of an analogy to, this sort of moving from place to place that we see in the Torah that is kind of symbolized in the temporary sukkah sculpture. So there you go. You got, Excellent. You, you got me to, you got me to talk about mash. Okay. Well, I'm, a, I'm a mash fan. So that's go, all. Go, 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 ahead, go ahead, Cindy. <laughs> okay. Rabbi Randy, you had another hand up. Great. Uh, okay. Mike, go ahead. You can unmute. Okay. Hi, um, hi, Randy. I'm a, a a good a good friend of Naomi's. Um, I was I was thinking when you were talking about um, <clears throat> blowing the shofar, and you were talking about being a big Br Springsteen fan. I thought I, I envisioned the late Clarence Clemens um, blowing the shofar uh, on, <laughs> on the Russell Center. That would have been. Uh, would that be cool? But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I got to tell you, he probably out. He would have outblown anybody else that he was yeah. competing with. He, well, I'll tell you, he, he, yeah. well, I'll tell you yeah. what, actually, really quickly. I don't I, I don't want to say the wrong person, but I, I remember seeing an article. I'm tempted to say it was Dizzy Gillespie. Oh. It, somebody like that, some <laughs> jazz great, you know, um, um, you know, horn player. Um, 
played Blew the Shofar. And I, I think it's going to have to Google it, but I think it was Dizzy Gillespie. It was somebody like that. Anyway, go, go uh, on. So, anyway, uh, anyway, okay. So I wanted, I wanted, I don't, you know, I know this is a little bit far afield and might be too, you know, too technical, but we were talking about, you know, Simchat Torah and we were talking about, you know, reading to the end and then starting all over again with, you know, Vaikra, you know, and, and the, the whole thing. Sure. But one of the things I wanted to know if you could touch on a little is the idea that each year we don't read the same Parsha each week from, from the past year. In other words, there's like, what, a cycle of three different um, Parshas per, you know, per week that we, that we would read, right? I mean, like you read, you might read a certain one for this year and then next year you'll read a different, you know, one for that time period and so forth. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure what you're referring to. There's a few things that may, maybe you're talking about. There is a very kind of, <clears throat> uh, I would say small tradition or less. The, so the, the main way Jewish communities read Torah is one year, you know, start at Genesis uh, and end right. at Deuteronomy, right? There is right. A, there is a tradition somewhere around the world, and some uh, just a few Jewish communities called the Triennial Cycle, which it takes them three years to read the whole Torah. I, I don't personally know of any communities that practice that. I think I think that it, you know there still are some that do. It's sort of like a minority. That's the word. It was like kind of a minority. Um, opinion <laughs> that you're supposed to take three years to read the Torah. So hold on one second. So that's one thing I, that you remind him, you make me think of. Uh, um, mm -hmm. The other thing you make me think of is, you know, we read the same portions every year. The, the, the portions are divided up so that there's, you know, you know, I guess 52 of them, 52 weeks. Um, what's different is, for example, because the Hebrew calendar doesn't match up with the American calendar, Right because of the lunar calendar in the Hebrew, like let's say Noah, because that's very well known. Let's say this year we read Noah and it, in the American calendar was October you know, 12th. Well, mm -hmm. uh, on the Hebrew calendar, it's some, it, next year we, we might read Noah on September 8th or November 6th or somewhere near but but they, they don't match up. So you're never gonna you're hardly ever gonna read. You certainly aren't gonna read Noah two years in a row on the same American date. But you know, far as as far as you know, my the way the way most communities do the, do this, we read every single Torah portion um, week by week by week by week by week until we're done with the Torah. And they're the exact same portions every year. So I'm not, so I, I, I gave you a couple of different things to think about. Did, did, did I miss what you were trying to say? No, I, well, maybe I misunderstood because I've always thought that there were, I mean, at least in, in Orthodox and conservative circles and maybe more in Orthodox that like you read a Parsha for a particular week and then the next time it comes it comes that same parsha comes along there's another part of it that oh, that you would read and uh, that's where the try the try thing was no no out. no no i think i know what you're no? saying no 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 in other words okay. some no no so it's always the same portion so let's use noah again but in some synagogues 
they might chant a part of that portion in 5783. Most Orthodox synagogues, to be honest with you, chant the whole Torah portion. So there's no parts. Mm. But some communities, <laughs> some conservative and reform synagogues will just chant one section, even though it's still the Noah portion. The whole portion is of that week. But there's no such thing as, um, in other words, Noah is always Noah. And and if right. you read all of Noah or if you read part of Noah, it's the, it's the Noah portion of the week. So okay, got it. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I I, I, I think you know so, Judaism, just like any religion, it, it, there's some idiosyncrasies from community to community, right? That's not even has to do with reform or orthodox or conservative. It's just that every synagogue, every congregation, you know, within the the structures of the sort of the general way to do things. Yeah, it has its own style, its own sort of uh, customs, its own way of doing things. Just like, you know, um, you might go to one synagogue and and um, hear a prayer with one melody, you know. Oh, yeah. And then you go to another <laughs> synagogue and you hear the same exact prayer, but with a different kind of a melody. Exactly. Some synagogues use guitar yeah. and drum and some use organ and piano, some no instruments at all. But it's still the same prayer, just done in a different style. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that attracted me 25 years ago to reform was that I'm a musician and I love, you know, the fact that we can, you know, you can be play all types of music aside from, you know, anything from Debbie Friedman to things that you've <laughs> written and and add, you know, American songs for that you can put in for Vea Haftas if you want to. We, we, we do it with Love is Real from John Lennon. We okay. sometimes oh. use that as a, as a hot time, which is cool. But I mean, nice. anyway, um, not, not nice talking with you all. I'll mute. Yeah. And, uh, Shana Tova. Anybody else, Chanel or? Okay. Um, Rabbi Randy, yeah. you have DJ. You may unmute DJ. Go ahead. DJ. DJ. Hi, everybody. Um, hey, hi, Ms. Kessler. <laughs> hi. Um, trying to get my phone to stop talking to me so I can think. Hold on. All right. I just wanted to say about this whole thing, you know, going through the year and all different events and di different cycles, uh, having spe real specific times to focus on, like the exact time of... Um, of sunset just for that my experience growing up um at what well, i was not jewish i converted uh, my husband was jewish my daughter is born jewish proudly to say i am my husband has passed i am still jewish and my my point is is that i am a person that has been very disorganized not um not one still has some problems with some organization, but the most important thing I learned in just all that we are talking about spiritually and we bring into ourselves is my ability now to work towards something rather than this feeling of always catching up. I work towards the weekend, towards the Sabbath. I had things specifically I need to do 
to be prepared for the Sabbath and then add all the ho the holidays and such. And, and I mean, it's a real, I mean, it's a real life and uh, that I participate in. And it's going to be interesting, I think, uh, to see, uh, you know, now that people's lives have been uh reassembled or a reassembling from COVID to see just how that all works. And, and that's, do you have any comments on that? No, I just really beautifully said, I, I think that's a really wonderful way of, of, you know, I think that's not just Judaism, but I think, you know, being, being spiritual is, is about, you know, marking moments, right? Like, you know, um, making time holy, and uh you know not every moment is the same as every other moment and and i think you know recognizing that and sort of living that way i i think is a really kind of elevated way to 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 live and religion is one of the systems that kind of gives you that those, those sort of markers markers of time whether it's the sabbath or a holiday um, and you're right, you know, each holiday has, has kind of a, a, a you know, it's sort of like the book of Ecclesiastes that, you know, Pete Seeger and the birds turn into a song, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a yeah. time for every season <laughs> under purpose, um, yes. that, that kind of a thing. So, um, um, yeah, I, I think that was a lovely way to, way to, you know, way to put it. And so I'm sorry about your loss. Um, but, and I, and I'm, I'm glad you found great meaning in Judaism and, you know, D, what you, what you say, DJ is just to, to bring up a point, just that, so everybody knows it's important that, you know, um, that it, Judaism is one of those religions that there's, you know, there's more than one way to be Jewish. You can either be <laughs> born Jewish or you can convert to Judaism and both, right. both times you're considered Jewish, you know, um, uh, um, so uh, there are people who are Jews by choice and people who are born Jewish and uh, all, both, both ways of being Jewish are, are, are fully, uh, embraced. fully Jews. And, and, and it's also, you know, right. it's not about your level of observance or which, you know, if, how much you come to synagogue. I mean, if you, if you, if you identify as Jewish, whether you converted or you're born Jewish, you're in fact Jewish. And, and there's not such thing as I'm less Jewish or more Jewish. Um, you know, uh, everybody might express it in a different way, but Jews are Jews. And again, you can either uh, be born or you can convert. And that those are both uh, as legitimate as the other. I totally exactly. agree. Totally agree with that. Is there, are there any questions in Clubhouse, Chanel? No, not at this time. All right. Any more questions in Zoom, Cindy? No, I would call on them if there were. I know. <laughs> you would. You would. You would. I have a <laughs> question. Watching. Sure. I have a I have a question, and that is, you talk about seven, and there was something that the uh, my rabbi I belong to a Reconstructionist synagogue here in Olympia, Washington, um, mentioned about se the seven years. It's the first of the seventh yeah. years, and shemitah yeah. and forgiveness, and this is about in gathering. Can you explain that? Sure, sure. And by the way, uh, that sounds like a gorgeous place, Olympia, Washington. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but uh, what's what's the rabbi's name there? Rabbi Seth Goldstein. He nice. he spoke he spoke to us before too. So you're oh, the nice. second one. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, good. So um, uh, let's see. So um, yeah, seven days in a week is Shabbat, and there's also um another two other kind of cycles of seven in the Torah that are kind of interesting to talk about. Um, the sabbatical year, so that obviously comes from the word Sabbath. And you're right, Shemitah is the Hebrew way of putting it. 
um, is every seven years, right? And um, in the Torah, on the seventh year, um, farmers specifically, because most people were, were supposed to stop working in their field for a year. It's basically, you know, really is an ecological sort of a um, practice of letting the land regenerate itself so that if you keep on working on the land, um, you know, eventually if it does, if you don't give, if you don't lay off every once in a while, every seven years in this case, the land is going to get, you know, it's, it's going to crap out on you. Right. Um, so there was this tradition in the, in the Torah for farmers to just sort of let, let it ride for the seventh year and whatever grew naturally, you got to keep and, sell and eat but otherwise you didn't you didn't put any tools and use any tools or you know even plant anything you know on on it uh, um except for the seeds that naturally sort of you know flow down from the trees or whatever um and you know these days um it's not that widely practiced the sabbatical year although it's probably a really healthy for the planet sort of way to way to be um, there are communities, not just in Israel, but also, you know, some kind of, kind of, uh, communal hippie, uh, <laughs> you know, commune farms that do that, that, that do a sabbatical, you know, that in, environmentally conscious. Right. Um, but nobody has to, uh, anymore. Like you probably did it, you know, at a certain time when the land of Judea was controlled by Torah legislation, but it's a lovely sort of concept. And I, I will tell you, since you brought it up that at our synagogue where Naomi and, and I are at, uh, where, where we go in St. Louis, we have a wonderful um, garden. We call it a mitzvah farm because the produce that we grow goes to a church in our neighborhood that has a great food ministry that, you know, has a food pantry and a soup kitchen and we're part of that effort and all the fresh produce they have comes from our garden. Um, we call it our mitzvah farm. Well, um, the people that kind of run our mitzvah farm decided they wanted to practice Shemitah, the sabbatical. So this year, which is actually, I think the sabbatical seventh year, we are not planting or growing anything, you know, through our efforts. We're going to take it. It's not only a break for the land, it's a break for the people. That, that, you know, work the land. Um, and we're hoping that, of course, next, it'll grow even more produce when we come back to it because it'll have had a chance to heal and renew itself. So that's the sabbatical year. There's also one more. I won't spend too much time on it because it's really not at all practiced anymore. But in the Torah, after seven years of sabbatical year, so that's 49 years, right? Seven times seven. The 50th year is called a Jubilee year. You might've heard of that Jubilee year, but that was a year of, of liberation where anyone that was sort of bound by slavery or, you know, uh, servitude could go free. If you owed anyone money, uh, <laughs> your debts were annulled. Um, and most importantly in the Torah, you were supposed, it was supposed to be a generation. 50 years was considered a generation. Anything that you accumulated land or money or resources in those 50 years, were supposed to go back to the common pool. So those people who did really well for a generation, their next generation had to start back at, you know, a level playing field. And those people who got really disadvantaged in their generation because of laziness or bad health, or just, you know, 
the, the crops didn't grow, their next generation gets to start again at the same level and this in the jubilee year as everybody else and then that you know then another generation goes by and some people do well and some people don't do well and then 50 years again is this redistribution time it was a really interesting concept it's almost like socialism (laughs) it's only it's actually it's it's actually kind of like a synthesis of capitalism and socialism because there's capitalism for a generation and then everything's equalized again and then right um, but it really didn't catch on, <laughs> go figure. And, yeah. uh, you know, except, you know, I don't even know where the Jubilee year might be practiced, but I don't think anywhere really, except in theory or maybe some some ideas come out of the concept of the Jubilee year. But those are some of the seven cycles beyond just the seven days of, um, of, of the week. Does that, well, does that answer your question? Yeah, de- definitely. This is Lynn. Also, one of the things that I know is that a lot of on Yom Kippur, people bring, or during this high holiday season, people bring cans of food for the needy, yes. for people who are hungry. Correct. That's we, very, you know. Correct. Yeah, and we do that at our, yeah, and we do that in our community as well. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Any other questions that anybody has? Tim? Uh, I don't have any other questions. I do have, I did want to say, um, Rabbi, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Cause I know it's right in the middle of the high holidays. <laughs> and I know yeah. when, when the date got announced, I was like, wow, that's amazing that we can get any rabbi at this time of the year. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I really appreciate it. You did a wonderful job too. Oh my and, God. I, I hope you'll come back by the yeah, way. I hope you'll come to. back sometime yes. because there are so many things that, that that we want to discuss, we you know we had the the rabbi talk about reconstructionism and maybe mm-hmm. and, we, and people don't really understand the differences between the different branches of Judaism, and I know that people have asked um, who aren't Jewish about that, so you know sure. th- this is you're you're fantastic and I love the way that you're you're teaching and and explaining it to everybody. Thank you. Do you guys all listen to Naomi and Terry's ra- Terry's radio show? Oh yeah, I have, I have. It's pretty awesome, <laughs> actually. So yes. I'll tell you that, like Naomi, and besides going to the same synagogue, we often find ourselves at the same concerts. Nice. So I think we have similar, right, Naomi? We have similar tastes in music. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but honestly, Absolutely. it really it was such a blessing. And I, a few years ago, I think Naomi asked me to speak at a. Uh, I did a blessing at a conference, right, Naomi? Yeah. At the oh, AC. Okay, she, Naomi, she, you can unmute. She came on the attendee side. Yep. Mm. Yeah, you can unmute yourself. But I, I spoke at a conference in St. Louis. I believe it was a national convention. Well, and then we can... You took class with music and Jewish musicians. And, and I, I, just, I just couldn't keep my mouth shut because I knew everything. Oh, and yeah. I were in the class we... Yeah. Uh, you're you're cutting you're cutting out a little yeah. bit. No, I know what I know what Naomi's talking about. I I um um a few years ago, I before COVID actually, I, oh. I taught a class um that was kind of like spirituality and religion in, in in contemporary music, and it took like some rock artists and rock songs and folk and blues and reggae, and we studied the lyrics and we listened to the songs and not just Jewish artists, but but um some Jewish artists, but also um um you know songs that kind of were spiritual in nature or religious in nature, even from artists who aren't known as religious musicians, wow. but they're kind of, you know, pop rock. And one of the, one of the people <laughs> who we um, 
studied, whose lyrics we studied, is a singer-songwriter named Peter uh, Himmelman uh, from from Minnesota. And he's actually Bob Dylan's son-in-law. What? He, wow. Wonderful. Yeah. He's married to one of, and they, he's actually Orthodox. He's a very interesting man. And, yeah. but his so his music isn't, isn't tech, isn't like Jewish, but it's very spiritual. And I think that Naomi has, um, it, it like knows him personally. Yeah. Um, really? I do. yeah. Oh, that's I do. fascinating. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh. I'd yeah, love so, to know more about that. Well, we've yeah. talked about, we've talked, we have had discussions in this uh, group about Jewish songwriters and singers and composers yep. and stuff like that. It's been really great because um, I, I love music too. So I think that when we talk about a lot of our experiences with music and, um, you know, people who are Jewish like <laughs> Neil Sadaka and, you know, right. uh, <laughs> other people like that. Um, and of course, my husband, uh, my, who wasn't Jewish, He's he's gone now. He's he's gone. But he used to tell me that Al Jolson, and I didn't know this till he told oh. me, was actually Asa Jolson, very yeah. very Jewish. Uh. So you know, I think we don't know these things, you know. Right, right. Well, anyways, I just so that's my way of saying it, it was a privilege, and um, you know, I, I I wish everyone that celebrates that it, that um, that Yom Kippur is meaningful for you, and those of you who um, aren't Jewish, just you know. Thank you for 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 being open to learning about our sacred times, and I, I want you to know that I'm very open to other people's sacred times as well. It's really important to me to to have friends and 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 people, you know, uh, um, you know, fellow clergy of all different religions, and um, this is what it's all about. So, um, uh, Shana Tova Shana to everyone tova. who uh, considers this uh, one uh, one of their New Years, and um, uh, as I said, um, uh, Gamar Tov, uh, it should be a good seal this year. There should, there should be a year for everybody, not just people who celebrate Rosh Hashanah, but for everybody, a year of, uh, of heat, of health and, and joy and, and peace and, and goodness and, um, and love all, all the things and meaning and, and righteousness, all the good stuff. I hope there's a lot of good, um, moments this year for all of us. And, and it's really a privilege to, have been able to share this time with you all. Well, before well, Randy, you go, I, thank you so much. Absolutely. I just want to thank you. Me and too. I just love you so much. And you just, I mean, as usual, you always have so many interesting things to say and the way you explain everything is so wonderful. And it's, I just want to thank you. Well, I, you're, you're welcome. And it was an honor. I don't know you, but I'm getting to know you and, and I just love the way that you talk and the way you explain things. This is Lynn. And Tim, do you have anything to say? No, just again, thank you. And you did a great job of explaining. You covered so much material, um, It's but it's excellent. It was uh, very well um, you know, laid out and made sense, you know, the way it was getting presented. So thank you for walking us through the holidays because, you know, a lot of us on this call, we have such different um, experiences and backgrounds and some people were raised religious, others were not. And, you know, some people joined the call because they want to learn and, um, you know, and then some, and we all learn, right? Regardless. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you know, I think, but it's, um, but anyway, I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time out, like I said, during this um, crazy season, it's kind of like if, you know, for anyone who's on the call is Christmas, Chris, a Christian, right? Calling on Christmas Eve and saying, Hey, can you come talk at our, our you know, our yeah. show here? And um, so anyway, we really appreciate it. Glad to do it. Yes. Tim. Yes. And yeah. Lynn and everyone, yeah. really. Blessings to all of you. And um, yeah, invite me back and we'll talk about something we else. Will. 
Yes. Well, thank you for taking Lovely. the time. And I, and I want to thank um, Cindy, our host. I want to thank Deb Cook-Lewis, and I want to thank Chanel, and I hope everybody got something out of this call. It was really, really, really better Lovely. than I ever thought it was going to be. It was wonderful. Well, well so you long. still have thank you, everybody. Oh, oh wait, wait, I'm sorry. You wait, still wait. have five minutes left, Lynn, if you want to. I know we do. We do. Okay. I'm going to yeah. say goodbye, though. Shalom. All right. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you so Shalom much. Sure. So, Tim, one of the things that we can uh, remind people of is um, we are going to have um, a, a karaoke Jewish uh, uh, one-year anniversary on November 7th, I think it is. And so that should be fun. So everybody better start thinking of their songs, uh, speaking of music. Um, and you know, we have other stuff coming up. And I, I just hope that we do have more... When we have guests like this, it's such a privilege. It's such an honor it to is. me. I think so. You know, and I think that, and I'm so grateful to Naomi. And I, want, I hope that her her head doesn't swell too much, but it's okay if it does. <laughs> no, no, I love it. Her. Is I mean, yeah. he is he is just a wonderful man, and I I'm so glad to know him. Oh, I know. He just sounds like such a, a great, and he he knows so much, and he puts into he he made it so understandable and so retrievable for everybody, and that that's that's really wonderful the way that he explained everything. I think you know, I think yeah. And, uh, right. So well, thanks everybody. I'm I'm traveling right now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. So I, you know, the phone's kind of gone in and out. We've been in areas where I couldn't get a oh. signal. I so anyway, but but um, so there you go. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for doing <laughs> this, right. Naomi. Yeah, we're gonna have him back. <laughs> we're yeah. definitely gonna have him back. Yes, he was. Um, he's just a wonderful speaker. Oh my god! Just great. Well, you know yeah. what? When he does, I hope, and I'll check with him when the time comes. But we do. He does the second seder, which is so. <gasps> And he oh, we, wrote the Haggadah himself. Oh, well, I, hey, you know that—that's one of the projects I was thinking about saying yeah. We are—we are going. We want to do a, a Jewish hour seder. So yes. we got to figure out when we're going to do that because I think that would be absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, but I, uh -huh. but I'll we'll see whether or not. I mean, we could probably you know you can yes. probably listen to, and yeah. it's it's just a wonderful wonderful event. So absolutely, I'll, I'll absolutely. let you know when the time comes. Happy traveling, Naomi. <laughs> yes. Happy traveling. Does anybody okay. have anything else they want to say um, uh, on any topic of concern? Anybody have anything uh, to say? Lynn, I, yes. it's Mike. Hi, Mike. I, I don't, how do we go about handling, okay, so talking about November 7th, because I'm obviously going to do some music. Right. Um, can all right two questions first of all if i decide to do something live can i do that i mean i know i can do it on zoom because i did it uh, as long yeah. as there's no other people playing with me or whatever but if we're not if we're mm -hmm. if we're doing if i do an old you know a vid i mean an um another song where i've harmonized with myself or whatever does mm -hmm. that have to go through through cindy hollis or how, no, well, how I've, I've, I've told her. I told her. I've told her. I've told her we're going to do this, and I don't know if they'll sponsor it or not. But I do think that um, you know, generally, we'll follow the same rules. You know, no original, um, no original artist and stuff like that. But if, like, I send all my stuff through Zoom and I copy it and I just send it to her. Um, but we can do it either that way, or I'm okay with if people really have it queued up and they don't mess up on the on the sharing the screen. I'm okay with doing it at, on the, at the time of the um, call, you know, as long as we don't have too much um, uh, dead dead air and stuff like that. 
Okay. okay, Lynn, DJ has her hand up. Yes, DJ. Go ahead, honey. Uh, hi. Um, yeah, I wanted to find out. I, uh, Naomi, you have a radio show? Yeah, she has a radio show. I don't I don't think she's on the call anymore. Yeah, I, but, am. Uh -huh. I am. Oh, you are. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell, tell, yes, tell, I'm sorry. Yes. Go, go ahead. Tell, tell DJ about your, your program <laughs> on Sunday. Okay. Um, it's called The Acoustic Edge, and okay. it is... An Americana kind of uh, singer songwriter, all kind of you know that kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. on. It's on from one to four Central times, so that would be eleven to two your time on Sundays. And yeah. you, the call letters are K C L C. K C L C. Correct. Okay, and you can and you, can, you, can and you can get it on Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, nice. It's 80, 89.3, and yes. they have three 89. stations. 89.1. Um, 89.1. That's right. Sorry. Um, and they have three <laughs> stations. Lovely. They have a, yeah. they have a, nice. you know, but you want, you want the one that says the wood, what is it? The wood, I guess. The wood. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's also, it's a, it is a community <coughs> radio station. It is a community oh. radio station. So. Well, it is oh, a oh, university oh. station. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it's and we'll uh, Acoustic Americana. Be interviewing uh, John McHugh. <gasps> oh. Yes. Oh. It's called the Acoustic Edge, correct, Naomi? Edge. Edge. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Got that. But if you just tune in at 11 o'clock, you know, and you just ask your... Dirt Band <laughs> about his new book. Oh, about cool. About Will the Circle Be Unbroken? <clears throat> Yes. 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 Oh, well, we have nice. Three, we have three minutes left before the before the uh, uh, some the, the, before the the slippers get taken off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Janelle, do you have anybody? <laughs> I do not. Well, I hope everybody got everybody got something out of this call. I thought it was absolutely wonderful, and um, thank you so much, Deb Cook Lewis, and thank you to Chanel, and thank you to Cindy. Yes, it's been thank fantastic. you guys. For oh, now you got two hands up. Oh, all right. Oh, well, on go, our go side. Ahead. All right. Let, all right. Let's see. Let's go. Hurry. Better be quick. <laughs> okay, Pam. Uh huh. Hey, Pam. There you go, Pam. You can unmute. You only have a couple of minutes. You can't do it fast. There. Now can there you hear you me? There you go. Yes, I can yeah, hear you. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. Very, very quickly, I had to step away from for a minute. When you when you do karaoke, I cannot sing my favorite song, but I could find it. On, I have found it on YouTube. And but you're not. We're not allowed to play or no. Nope. You can't play the original artist. I'm sorry. They talked while you talked. I said you can't play. Zoom won't allow people to play the original artist. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anyway. Okay, who's next? Okay, uh, I believe it's Beth. Hey, Beth. Go ahead, Beth. Hey, Beth. Great to have you here. Huh. Hello. Hey, Beth. Yes, I was just going to say that call was fantastic. I know. And I invited another friend of mine, but I don't think that um, that she came. Um, I don't know. All right. I'll know tonight if she came. Um, I only know her as, uh, well, the name she goes by online, um, Nightingale. I don't know her real name. All right. Well, hmm. we're, we're about to be taken off by the... Uh, 
internet god so. <laughs> all right thank you so much for sharing okay. uh, the call with people thank you so much that's all I have thank you so much okay. Tim thank you so much you're welcome thank and you, I everybody. just want to wish everybody Shana Tova, and Shana then, Tova. Uh, if you're gonna fast this Shana week have an easy, easy fast yes you have an easy fast thank you Deb thank you Chanel thank you uh, Cindy